You're listening to the King's Place podcast. Presenting music, comedy, spoken word, poetry, and art from around the world. kingsplace.co.uk Hello and welcome to the first King's Place podcast. This is a new monthly podcast full of all the latest news, information and exclusive interviews highlighting the upcoming events at King's Place. So where best to start? We travelled through the revolving doors, past the box office and sat down next to the cafe to chat to the man whose vision has helped shape and build this very unique space. I'm Peter Milliken, the chairman of King's Place. I have been involved in the building since uh, about 2000 when I bought the land um, for a building which was going to be a mixed venue, mixed arts and office venue. We intended right from the beginning to make it something that would be a place where people from London could come in and feel at home, sit in the cafe, have a nice coffee, look at the art and go to concerts. And we're pretty pleased the way we've got to. It's been open now for about 18 months and we're gradually building up a regular group of people who come for the music, um, who work in the building, who are artists who come to look at the art, and are just mothers and babies who come to have coffee. And it's a big, really big mix, and we, we're very keen to make everyone feel at home. The building, as I say, is a mixed office and arts building. Everything above ground floor is office space, which is The Guardian, Network Rail, Logica, and another couple of other companies. Um, and the ground floor is public space with a bar, restaurant, a terrace on the canal. So in the summer, it, we have hog roasts, uh, lots of places for people to sit in the sun and, and enjoy the peace and quiet. What's truly amazing is you're 100 yards from York Way from King's Cross Station, and it's peaceful. We've got Canada geese, cormorants, swans all sort of fighting for space on the on the on the water and it's and it's really very nice how did all the different elements come to be under under this one roof in truth it's slightly serendipitous creating a project like this because so much of it depends on the people who come along and become part of the project and it was always my intention that we would have a, a very strong quality music strand covering a very broad range of genres but the depth and intensity which we've managed to bring to many of the musical areas right across from classical, contemporary classical, jazz, uh, folk has been really exciting Uh, and as a consequence we've got a very broad range of audience. Some of them come to the spoken word and the music, some of them just come to the comedy so it's, it's a very big range, different audience, different interests but they come together in this atrium space and hopefully have a great time. So looking beyond the music for just a moment, um, can you tell me a little bit more about the art? We've got two galleries. One's primarily sculpture and one is primarily paintings with a different curator for each gallery. And we've had some great shows. Uh, We've had Lynn Chadwick's sculpture show, which was really fine pieces. We've had a spectacularly successful show of Jane Bone's photographs. Who, Jane Bone, who used to be the photographer, the main, the arts and culture photography for the Observer for from the mid 50s until quite recently. We had thousands and thousands of people came in to see that. Entry to the exhibitions is free. You can just come and look and enjoy it. And the art isn't just in the in the galleries. The the public art in the building, because we've got galleries, is constantly changing. And we you know, we have at the moment got 
two very large heads in the entrance hall, very large orange heads in the entrance hall, which are causing a great deal of interest from the three-year-olds who come in up to the 73-year-olds who come in, um, and, and, and uh, they're quite striking. We've got different pieces out on the waterfront, uh, which you can also have a look at. So the, the art is constantly changing and, and really forms part of the exhibitions as well. We would really like to make people feel this is a, their second home. At King's Place, you seem to work hard to make all concerts affordable. Was this a deliberate plan from the start? Yes, we started off to open the building with 100 concerts. So in the um, October that we opened, October of 2008, we ran 100 concerts, 145-minute concerts. And that was so successful that we decided we would do that once a year in September every year. The tickets are just £4.50 if you book online and you can hear anything, uh, music, spoken word, jazz, classical, folk, poetry, a, an enormous sort of taster uh, of what we put on over the year for very little money. And as a consequence, the place buzzes. It has a real festival atmosphere. We've got special food in the cafes and the bar, and everyone seems to have a great time. And to take one example of the diversity of the music at King's Place, this evening's concert is, is part of the Peter Maxwell Davies season. Um, it's not your standard arts venue, is it? No, we've got a, a week of Peter Maxwell Davies this week, which is truly astonishing music. I mean, amazing music, amazing musicians, fans that have come from all over the country to listen to it. Um, it's been really spectacular. I'm about to head off to one of those concerts now. But the week before was completely different. The week before we had an a cappella week. Virtually every seat in the, in, the, in the week was sold. We had 15 different choirs, many of them performing amateur choirs in the atrium spaces. And some of the best European choirs performing in the, in the Hall 1. And we had a workshop for 200 people, difficult to imagine a workshop for 200 people, um, which was rapturously received, so, so we were very pleased with that. Any future plans? The building works well when there's a lot of people in, and we are gradually increasing the number of concerts that we put into each week. So we're programming three possible venues, and we started off just programming mainly the main hall. We're now gradually programming the second hall more intensively. We started comedy just before Christmas. We are about to start a folk strand and a jazz strand, so folk every Friday nights from next September, and jazz every Saturday nights from next September. Um, and that's pretty well programmed. We've got some great names coming, um, both to the folk and the jazz, um, and it's, it's, it, that's looking very exciting. And could you pick a couple of highlights? We've got a range of things planned for spring and summer. One of the classical highlights is the Chopin Unwrapped series um, with Martino Tremino. We are performing all the Chopin works over three weeks. Chopin is one of everyone's favourite piano composers, I guess. It's, it's great music, relatively easy to listen to compared with some of the modern composers, and it, it is something that I'm sure we're going to have a, a really good audience for.
Next we've got uh, an Arctic Circle Week, really exciting week. It's called the Bubbly Blue and Green. A really good range of musicians, Philip, Philip Jack, Isan, The Sleeping Years, and the Willkommen Orchestra uh, at the end of the week. Great selection of music, which I'm sure is going to appeal to a, a different audience, probably to the Chopin, but I'm sure there'll be some overlap. I'll build a bigger boat, I'll build a bigger boat The wool capsize each every time you try to stand in it and And pick one last one. Yes, we've got a jazz scene Europe, which is uh, a one of our really good jazz weeks. John Sermon and Chris Lawrence of the Transformation String Quartet. The Louis Clevis Quartet lost on the way and then Andy Shepard to finish off with Sev Rochford and Rita McDooley. So that, that's going to be a great jazz week which um, we'll get, I'm sure we'll get some real jazz enthusiasts coming to that. This is the King's Place Podcast. That was Peter Milliken giving his own insight into the building, music and art of King's Place. And now we take time to delve into some more of the upcoming February musical highlights. Martino Tiramo, creator of the Chopin Unwrapped season, tells us more about the concerts he's put together and his love of the Polish pianist and composer. As far as I'm aware, this is the first time that all Chopin's works are presented in one major series. We're going to have not only the solo works, but all the songs, all the chamber music, and all the works for piano and orchestra. We shall hear, for instance, two Polonaises which he wrote at the age of seven. And uh, it's remarkable in the sense that if you listen to these pieces, although they are rel relatively simple, of course, I would say the seeds of individuality uh, are already there. And this is remarkable. You know, we think of Mozart as the, perhaps the greatest musical prodigy of all time, but I wouldn't say that Chopin is far behind. Chopin's music has so many qualities. It is brilliant, it is sensitive, it is elegant, charming. Uh, it is always very polished, very refined. Um, above all, though, I think it is full of poetry. For me, he's one of the greatest musical poets. 
he influenced probably more composers uh, than, than any other, uh, and composers that don't normally come to mind. For instance, Bruckner, Debussy, Ravel, Skriabin, Prokofiev, Rachmaninov. Um, in fact, I consider that without Chopin, a music would probably have taken a different course. Of course, his melodic invention is second to none. Uh, there is such a naturalness of expression. Uh, and uh, when you hear something, you cannot imagine that it could proceed in any different way. Uh, and of course, it's his melodies that people love. But, of course, this series is uh, a big marathon for me. Uh, each week I would have to do three concerts, totally different programs. Uh, in the final week there will be four concerts in four days. Uh, perhaps the biggest challenge of my life, but I look forward to it. That was Martino Tiramo, creator of the Chopin Unwrapped season, which starts on the 10th of February at King's Place. Next up we look at Checkmates, a week of concerts starting on Wednesday the 17th of February. Curated by Krizia Ozostovich, leader of the Dante Quartet, she tells us more about her week of Czech chamber music. decided to focus on the three giants of Czech chamber music. There were many great composers we could have included and it was very painful to leave them out. But because of the constraints of time we thought let's keep it simple and focus on Smetana, Dvořák and Janáček. I've been particularly interested to rediscover the music of Smetana because I suppose in my mind I've thought of him as a kind of precursor to the big pieces by Dvořák and Janáček and actually he's a major major composer with really interesting radical ideas and also very much a contemporary figure in that his quartets and particularly the second quartet charts his mental breakdown in the most um, radical and actually anguished way and and I think you can compare it to for example Beethoven's Great Fugue or, or other other things which break new ground and somehow one doesn't think of Smetana these days as a groundbreaking composer but we really find that that he was Dvořák, of course, was in many ways a groundbreaking composer and wrote many weird and wonderful pieces, but actually we've chosen not to play those in this particular week. We've chosen the happy side of Dvořák, 
And we thought once we started on his string quartets, we could never stop. So we're playing two of his big quintets, the one with piano and the one with double bass, both of which are just absolutely wonderful and melodic. And then those act as a sort of foil to the turbulence, if you like, of Smetana and Janacek. In this particular group of concerts, you could see Dvorak as the equivalent of Mozart and or maybe Smetana as the equivalent of Beethoven in, in his kind of personal struggle and then Janacek as a kind of almost like a Bartok equivalent in the way that he takes music to completely new places. Also, we're having a children's workshop, which is titled When Mr. Janacek Visited London Zoo. And that's going to talk about Janacek's use of speech in music, how he wanted to translate the way that people speak into musical material. And we're going to do that in a very direct way with our friend Adam McKenzie, who's very experienced at working with children. And we're going to make up a piece of music which is made up out of everyday words. A little bit in the way that Janacek might have used words as raw material. The ridiculous title of this workshop to do with London Zoo is actually based in reality because on the one time that Janacek came to London for a concert of his music, he visited London Zoo and he made careful notes of the sounds that the monkeys made. This was all part of his great project to notate not only human speech but any sounds which were of interest to him. So we're going to use that as a hook to interest the children in this idea of speech and music overlapping and hopefully interest them as well in the idea of listening to music, which is based on that. You've been listening to the King's Place podcast. For more information about any of the events you've heard today and to book tickets, visit kingsplace.co.uk. You're listening to the King's Place podcast. Presenting music, comedy, spoken word, poetry and art from around the world. kingsplace.co.uk